On January 1st, a revolution occurred in how the FAA tracks airplanes aloft. That's when more than 100,000 airplanes switched to the use of the global positioning system instead of the ground radars in place for decades. My next guest was instrumental in making this happen, and he's a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. The FAA's Acting Group Manager of Communications, Information, and Network Programs, David Gray, joins me now. Mr. Gray, good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. And having had this all happen, was it kind of tough when just a couple of months later, most of aviation ground to a halt and they can't even be using it because they're not flying? Well, I mean, COVID has had such an impact on the aviation industry. Traffic levels are down. I think if there's a blessing from an ADS-B standpoint, it's that, you know, the airlines and pilots who were equipping for our, our deadline had already done the work. And so coming in March was a whole lot better than if it had come in November. That said, I mean, we've still seen surprisingly high equipment installation rates for folks who didn't have to equip by January but still see benefits in the technology coming up. So, yes, I mean, it's been a huge hit for aviation, but it could have been worse, certainly. All right. And you mentioned ADSB, the name of the program. What does that stand for? And tell us what it does that you got everybody to install and use. Yes. Uh, it stands for Automatic Dependent Surveillance Broadcast. Great engineering name there that tells you a lot about what the technology is. But, you know, at a high level, it, it's a foundational technology for the modernization of the FAA's infrastructure. It takes, as you said, the accuracy of the GPS network and applies it to aviation. So the same kind of accuracy that you get for your cell phone where you can see which side of the street you're walking on, we're able to get that same kind of accuracy and apply it in aviation. So it gives air traffic controllers better data in more places, more frequently, and with better accuracy. And we refer to all that as something called ADS-B out. And knowing that precise real-time position of an aircraft is key to running the safest, most efficient airspace system in the world. Beyond that, people being equipped and broadcasting this information creates an environment where the position information for that aircraft is freely available to other aircraft in the airspace. So in the past, I've always been surprised to learn that most pilots, they have to create and maintain a three-dimensional sort of mental picture of all the aircraft in their vicinity based on the radio traffic that they hear between air traffic controllers and other aircraft. They have to create that and maintain it. It's very mentally taxing. But now an aircraft can be a equipped to not only provide their information to air traffic control, but they can go beyond those basic requirements so the pilot can see essentially the same picture as an air traffic controller, and we refer to that as ADS-B in. And then pilots can also get some special functionality in their equipment so they can see free information from the FAA about weather and what's referred to as aeronautical information. So for instance, they can see areas where there might be thunderstorms that they should steer clear of or whether there are any notices that are relevant to their flight. There are lots of stories from pilots about how much difference it makes to see nearby aircraft weather and aeronautical information right in the cockpit. So, I mean, the bottom line is that ADS-B gives better data to air traffic controllers. It increases situational awareness to pilots, and that all makes aviation safer. God, I imagine uh, Arthur Godfrey probably would have wished he'd had this if he'd been around to fly nowadays. And in your citation, it mentions the work that you did among the many stakeholders, the pilots, the airplane builders, I guess the controllers, and many, probably even Congress. What was the more difficult part of this, getting the technology established or getting everyone to buy in and get with the program? 
Yeah, it's a great question, Tom. When you're in the middle of it, establishing a nationwide service-based infrastructure to provide ADSB data to over 200 air traffic control facilities throughout the United States and its territories, I mean, that's a major undertaking. And the FAA finished it in 2014, and it was only seven years from the time we awarded a contract to develop the technology, test it, deploy it, and have a fully operational nationwide service. But you have to remember that aviation is a global industry, so the equipment that an airline uses in the U.S. also has to work everywhere in the world. So there was a global effort to establish and adopt common and interoperable standards. Then once we had those, we told the industry what equipment they would need 10 years before they were required to have it installed. And then we had to work consistently over those 10 years with stakeholders throughout the aviation ecosystem to end up with over 100,000 aircraft equipped in the U.S. by the deadline. These are mostly airline. Well, no. Actually, um, in the U.S., there's a six to 7,000 U.S. registered commercial airplanes, and then there's about 160,000 general aviation aircraft. These are smaller aircraft that individuals own and operate. Based on sort of who the user is, I mean, it involves the entire supply chain, including aircraft manufacturers, equipment manufacturers, equipment installers, dispatchers, pilots, and in the U.S. and across the world. So thousands of kinds of aircraft, and every one of them needs some level of certification to be ready. So there, and there were lots of what we called barriers to getting aircraft equipped. So all in all, I think you knew where this answer was going, but I would say that staying in lockstep with all of those stakeholders in the aviation industry over a decade was harder than actually installing the equipment at the FAA. Sure. We're speaking with David Gray. He's Acting Group Manager of Communications, Information, and Network Programs at the FAA and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals Program. And what about the controllers? We mentioned them briefly, but did it, ch- did it cause them to have to change their procedures and go through retraining? Because that's a group that really is central to all of this. Yeah, training is an essential part of the role that any of our actors play, the controllers and the pilots. But I would say the biggest change was really on the aircraft side because pilots have to have modernized piece of equipment on their aircraft to fly through most controlled airspace in the United States. And this is generally around our busiest airports and at higher altitudes. So something like ADS-B is a big deal for both airlines and aircraft owners. So we took the approach of leading by example at the FAA. We committed to a multi-billion dollar program and began deploying our equipment before we asked anything of our industry partners. And then 10 years before the aircraft had to be equipped, we were clear about the equipment that would be required. And here's the key. We followed through on that plan. We delivered on time, on budget, and we held our industry partners accountable to be ready on time as well. And let me ask you this. Suppose I've got a, you know, 1977 Beechcraft, and I don't really feel like putting in a bunch of expensive new gear, so I'll stick with the radar. How does the old system and the new, the ADSB, coexist and interoperate? So it depends on where you fly as to whether you have to have the equipment. So if you're going to fly in the airspace where ADSB is required, you got to have the equipment. But there are lots of places where you could tootle around and and um, and make that decision to keep your old equipment. So to ensure the highest levels of safety, you know, the FAA has got an extensive process to assess and manage risk in our national airspace system, and part of that is ensuring that we maintain appropriate levels of redundancy and systems that complement our preferred technology. 
So we're going to maintain a network of our traditional radar systems to complement the new preferred source of ADS-B. So if that ADS-B equipment fails on an aircraft, those other systems and procedures are used to ensure the safety of the pilots and their passengers. So controllers can still do their jobs, pilots can still fly where they need to fly, and there are processes and procedures for all of that. And by the way, what is your own background? Are you a pilot, an engineer, or who are you? Yeah, I got my education in the engineering field and have been lucky enough to work with the FAA um, basically throughout my career in different roles of contractor and federal employee. But I come at things from an engineering background. I haven't had the fortune to be able to, to work on my pilot's license, but I have worked really closely with pilots and controllers throughout the throughout the years. So I hadn't quite made the honorary club of getting my wings, but, you know. It's, One of these it's, days. It's, yeah, aviation is so cool. I mean, airplanes actually fly, you know? Yeah, I know. I've been on them for about 2 million miles myself. And so what comes next? I mean, ADSB is part of the general next-gen effort at the FAA. And so what is the next step here? When you're in the middle of it, a multi-year goal like establishing ADSB as the preferred surveillance source for aviation in the U.S., I mean, that can seem like a goal in and of itself sometimes. But the reality is that that is really just the beginning. So the FAA refers to ADSB as a transformational technology because it creates possibilities for new ways of doing business that are safer and more efficient. So that's really what's next, is building on this foundation to deliver more benefits to the aviation community. And we've got some things that we're trying out right now, right? So the increased accuracy and update rate of ADSB will allow air traffic controllers to apply more efficient separation standards, and this will help reduce congestion and delays in some of our busiest airspace. Um, and we've begun work on that in airspace around Boston and Seattle, and we expand, expect to expand from there. Um, ADSB is also allowing for innovation in using satellites to receive and deliver surveillance data to air traffic controllers in remote areas or over the ocean where it's never been available before. And we've begun evaluating those kinds of innovations with a trial between Florida and Puerto Rico in the Caribbean airspace. And then one of the world's largest airlines is committed to equipping a substantial number of their aircraft with equipment that goes beyond those basic ADSB broadcast requirements and to receive and display that data to their pilots. And we're working with them on how their pilots can use ADSB data to manage approaches to airports more efficiently. This will reduce delays and make aviation more environmentally friendly. And, you know, frankly, as with any transformational technology, I expect there will be ways to use ADSB data that we haven't even thought of yet. Well, I can't wait to see the update to my Flight Radar 24 app. Absolutely. They're integrating ADSB data into that already. So uh, you should actually be able to see uh, the fact that it's ADSB data um, on those airplanes that you're tracking. Good enough. David Gray is Acting Group Manager of Communications, Information, and Network Programs at the FAA. Thanks so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure, Tom. Thank you. And he's also a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. We all have a lot on our plates. Work, kids, relationships. And sometimes it can be hard to just catch a breath. When life is go, 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 it matters where you stay. 
Hilton's family of brands is team members dedicated to making you feel truly cared for so you can mentally check out before you even check in. Take the break you deserve and book your next stay on Hilton.com. Hilton for the stay.